Hey everybody, it's Ben Glebe. Just so you know, I will be at the comic strip in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada from tonight, February 8th until Sunday, February 12th. If you live in Canada, come out to the gig if you're anywhere near there in Canada. If you're not, sorry for wasting your time. Also, if you enjoy this show, please spread the word about Last Week on Earth. Tell people to subscribe on iTunes. That's how they determine the rankings. So don't be a dick. Share the podcast with your friends. All right, the show is starting right now. New Jersey governor in verbal smackdown with Snooki. Are we running toward a strike on Iran? Can Madonna create world peace? Romney says he doesn't care about poor people. Big shocker. Why a million moms are angry at Ellen DeGeneres. Republicans don't want welfare cards used at strip clubs. Middle school girl sells pot brownies. A man insures his penis. And our first annual Super Bowl ad and halftime review extravaganza. All this and more. Or during the last week on Earth with Ben Glebe. not be driven by fear into an age of unreason. Oh my God, guys, listen up. I have an announcement to make. Did you guys know that I'm like the number one Google search last week? It could be the stuff of history, however, one way or the other. Okay, is Jessica Simpson here yet? And to those critics who are so pessimistic about our economy, I say, don't be economic girly man. How many sides does a triangle have? Damn, four. There's no side. One. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Yeah, this was a very busy last week on Earth. Uh, so we're going to get right to it. We're brought to you, by the way, this week by Anxious People, making people with regular dispositions seem very chill in comparison. Anxious People, give us a try. All right, let's get right to it, right to the news. A lot of big things happened this week, so let's start with something insignificant. Groundhog Day occurred last week in Gobbler's Knob, Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Gobbler's Knob is a pretty horrible name for a place. Not a particularly attractive name. It could be worse. Place could be called Knob Gobblers. That would be one step worse. Um, but at Knobbler's Cob or whatever it's called, Punxsutawney Phil, the groundhog, did see his shadow, which apparently means there's six more weeks of our country being very, very stupid. Caring about stupid shit like that. And like got nothing to do with the weather, the seasons. It's not God. Why do we think we think this animal's God? Whoever said a groundhog is the Lord? So only the Lord controls the weather. And everybody knows, every smart person knows that. The Lord controls the weather. Mother Nature controls the weather. Which one's the Lord? Is the Lord Mother Nature? I don't know the difference. Point is, it's definitely not a groundhog. That much I know about both religion and science. I know that, okay? The, the uh, town of Hoboken, New Jersey this week turned down a Jersey Shore spinoff. Turned down a Jersey Shore spinoff. All the business that could have brought attention to the town, good for this town. They said they don't want the negative publicity. They don't want the insane guidos coming down there and banging everybody and GTL on their way up to 
a bunch of STDs and bar fights. Who wants that? I don't. And if I lived in New- Hoboken, New Jersey, I wouldn't want it in my town. And as if that weren't enough of a battle between the Jersey Shore folks and the town of Hoboken, the governor of the whole state of New Jersey, Chris Christie, in a verbal smackdown this week with Snooky, America's favorite and only Snooky. Um, Chris Christie took a shot at Nicole Palizzi on Thursday night after the Jersey Shore star bashed him on Twitter. She tweeted last week that she wouldn't vote for Christie for president because he's been extremely rea- uh, critical of her reality show. Uh, FYI, Snooky, he's not running for president, so that makes it difficult to vote for him any Hauser. Um, her exact tweet was, I will not be voting for Chris Christie. Love always the, quote, buffoons from that degrading Jersey Shore show. I think Snooky's trying to be sarcastic, but in fact is just calling herself a buffoon from the degrading show. So she's at least becoming a little bit self-aware, if ironically, at that. But that's the first step. Irony is the first step to acceptance. That's what I'd tell myself. Uh, Governor Christie, for some reason, fired back. He engaged in this verbal sparring. Fired back, and I quote, You see, this further reinforces my concern about these people, he said. I tell New York Governor Andrew Cuomo all the time, You can have them back. You will not be shocked to know he has not sent a car yet for Snooki or Wow or the situation. Damn! Damn, he's calling all three of them out. You don't want to call three of them out because probably Wow in the situation will start banging in the corner to distract the governor while Snooky punches him out. And he's a big guy. It would hurt to fall, although maybe he'll bounce right back up moon bounce style because certain governors double as moon bounces, and Chris Christie is one of those lucky governors. So that's the good news for him. When he gets back down, knocked down, he gets right back up again because he is inspired like all of us by Chumba Wumba. When he gets knocked down, he gets he gets back up again. You know that song, right? I get. I don't have to sing it, do I? Do I have to? I don't have. To. I get. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna. I get. No, I'm not gonna do that to you guys because we all know the song and we've we've been there and we've done that. Last fall, Christy vetoed a four hundred twenty thousand dollar tax credit for the show's production because he thought it would help perpetuate misconceptions about the state. Yeah, it would. They're a bunch of um, sexually aggressive, moronic individuals. Egyptian soccer riot. Crazy week. Crazy week. In Egypt, you know, they have the revolution. They topple Mubarak's government. You'd think things would be a little chiller. They'd appreciate the simple things in life, sporting events. Instead, 74 people killed on the field after storming the field. After a flipping soccer match. What the effing fuck is that about? I mean, holy shit, 74 people murdered at a soccer match. Look, I announced last week on Last Week on Earth, I'm switching for this season from being a Laker fan to a Clipper fan. I'm glad those are not soccer teams. I mean, relax, people. It's a fucking game. Egyptians maybe, if I can conjecture, maybe just do not value their own lives that much. I mean, dying for revolution is noble, historic, worthwhile cause. Dying because your favorite team lost a little game where you kick a little ball around. That's absolutely absurd. Even if you don't say it in a baby voice, it's still crazy. Soccer, people, it's a damn game. 
As George Carlin wisely pointed out, you can't even use your damn arms. How serious can a sport be when you can't use your hands? And as he also put on, there are also dots on the ball. Carlin also made the point that he doesn't like soccer because Romanians are good at it. Which he admitted was a weird rule, but he says, my rules, I make them up. So that's that story. Syria, the world community was trying to pass a UN resolution condemning their president Bashar al-Assad and his regime, his iron fist, the iron, the iron fist of his dictatorial regime for brutally cracking down on protesters in his country over the last many, many months, killed thousands of them. Some are calling it a genocide. They just tried to pass a resolution condemning this action and saying that there should be regime change in uh, in Syria. And that was shot. The Arab League's behind this. The U.S. behind this. Most of the Western world's behind it. Who voted it down? China and Russia said, uh-uh. No, you did not. They voted it down. They're permanent members of the U.S. Security Council, of the U.N. Security Council, rather. They can say no to shit, and they did. Uh, Russia rejected the draft as unbalanced. Just hours after troops were killed, at least 55 people, uh, sorry, after troops killed at least 55 people in the city of Homs. It's pronounced Homs. It's spelled Holmes, but it's pronounced Homs. So yeah, it's unbalanced resolution because it's supposed to be unbalanced. When one side is brutally murdering the other side, you're not trying to be fair and balanced at that time. You're trying to stop the brutal murder. But I get it. You know, Russia sees things a little little different. They also have had periods in their history where they enjoyed toilet paper lines. Because sometimes when you got to go, you want a two-hour wait just to test the strength of your bowels. So, you know, they come from a different, different ilk over there. But uh, on the, you know, our... Our ambassador to the UN, the U.S.'s ambassador, Susan Rice, condemned the, those two vetoes as shameful, said it shows how Russia and China aim to sell out the Syrian people and shield a craven tyrant, which is strong words. You know, she said any further bloodshed that flows will be on their hands. Also strong words. But maybe to a degree we have lost the ability to be so indignant because we kill innocent people sometimes for our own causes that we think are right whether it's in Pakistan or Afghanistan or Iraq. And the big argument against this, they say, but they're killing their own citizenry. They're killing their own people. That's worse, right? Well, I mean, I guess it's a little worse. But where do these national boundaries have to do with anything? Why are we allowing murder? It's because of national boundaries. It doesn't make any sense. What's that got to do with anything? We're killing other people's citizenry, so our stance is, is what? They're killing their own people. We cannot let that stand. They should be killing other people. It's just people are people. People. What's the damn difference? Can't we all just get along? The immortal words of Rodden King? Come on now. At least the good news is dying can be presented in a pleasant way. Um, I was watching Morning Joe and my favorite political programs. And as they're going to commercial, they played this soundbite from Stevie Wonder's song, Higher Ground. And take note to how pleasant Stevie Wonder makes a lyric about unjust dying sound. Good morning. Keep 
sounded great. I want to die just so I could be sung about in such a manner. If you wonder, great artist really makes dying sound more pleasant than it is, though. Harry Potter was Harry Potter drunk. What does that mean? You heard me. Daniel Radcliffe admitted last week he was drunk while filming some scenes for Harry Potter movies during a certain period, and he was drinking nightly. I quote, I can honestly say I never drank at work on Harry Potter. I went into work still drunk, however, but I, d- but I never drank at work. I can point to many scenes where I'm just gone, dead behind the eyes. I can point to the whole series where he's dead behind the eyes. Not a big fan of Daniel Radcliffe. I don't think being drunk is, is, is magical behavior. I don't think it's appropriate. I don't think it's what you're training at Hogwarts. Taught you. It's not to be drunk. You end up casting spells on the wrong folks. It's just, there's a responsibility that comes with magic. And another Stevie Wonder lyric taught us this. When you believe in things you don't understand, then you suffer. Superstition. You got to focus on those lyrics. Learn lessons. Is a strike on Iran imminent? Are we about to attack Iran as Israel? Well, it's a big week with Iran news. Things have been heating up there for a while. You know, we've been talking about things going on in the Strait of Hormuz. And um, the supreme leader of Iran, the guy that has got more power, although more of a figurehead, but more power technically than Ahmadinejad, is the supreme leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, said today, or said, I guess it was by now, a couple days ago, that his nation won't abandon its nuclear efforts and warned that a strike against his nuclear program would damage U.S. interests in the Middle East ten times over. According to Associated Press. How, motherfucker? You gonna damage us ten times over? How you gonna do that? We got the nukes, son. You ain't got shit. You got a couple planes, a couple naval exercises. We got nukes. Ain't gonna fuck with the U.S.? Come on now. We'll talk bullshit. Iran said this last week, that it is now more willing to launch attacks on U.S. soil. What does more willing mean? We're not willing, but we're a little more willing. Just a little. We're not a little more. It's not. We're not all the way willing, but we're getting there. You're either willing or you're not. We didn't call it a coalition of the more willing, because there weren't many, but the ones that were there were willing. They referred to Israel this week. He did... Co- Khomeini did as a cancerous tumor. It's definitely an exaggeration. I'm half Israeli. No part of me is a cancerous tumor. Khomeini said in his Friday sermon that if any nation or any group confronts the Zionist regime, we will help. He said that Iran has assisted anti-Israel groups such as Hezbollah and the Palestinian Hamas, both very negative um, terrorist organizations. He's announced that straight up. But more, much further and more insane than that... Um, Calling Israel a danger to Islam, the conservative website Aleph, which has ties to Khomeini, the supreme leader of the country, WND.com reports that um, this article said that the opportunity must not be lost to remove, quote, this corrupting material. It is a jurisprudential justification to get this, get this crazy shit. Kill all the Jews and annihilate Israel. And in that, the Islamic government of Iran must take the helm. 
um hold up motherfucker because i'm jewish i have family in israel you fuck with them you fuck with my whole family always bet on black passenger 57 other scary references to get you to shut your damn trap son we've heard this kind of shit before we nice people the jewish people why don't you relax this is totally backwards logic craziness they're saying to safeguard against these threats from Israel saying they might attack their nuclear facilities. Look, Israel's not threatening your existence or questioning your existence or any of that shit. Nothing mean. That doesn't give you the right to annihilate all of the people of that nation. They're just considering getting rid of your nuclear capabilities because you say crazy shit like that. So when you talk about annihilating them and calling people cancerous tumor and are also actively building nuclear weapons, can you blame a people for wanting to at least take away your angry bombs? Is that really unjustifiable? And furthermore, can we just as a human race evolve to a damn point where, like we said a few minutes ago, national origin doesn't mean shit? Religious origin doesn't mean shit except just what you personally want to believe? Believe what you want, but leave other people alone. Golden rule, motherfuckers. Do unto others as you would have them do unto yourself. So that's a rough quote, but you understand what I'm trying to say? It's because your nation's got beefs, your religion's got beefs. The individual people have nothing to do with that. They were born separate, out of a separate innocent womb. Because I am an innocent womb. Oh, yes, I am. An innocent womb. It's a Billy Joel adaptation. You know, in moments like this, we have to remind ourselves what the chef slash restaurant owner in the Muppets Take Manhattan Muppets movie told Kermit. And he said, Kermit, peoples is peoples, no? Peoples is peoples, chickens is chickens, frogs is frogs. But peoples is peoples, no? And Kermit obviously responded, well, that cleared things up a lot. Thank you for that. Not a great Kermit. I've had better Kermit, but you know, I'm in a rush. I'm in a rush to get to important things. I can't focus on a Kermit impression at a time like this. Question though is, will Israel strike preemptively? Israel's indicated that they are considering this. That was said through public statements of Leon Panetta, our defense secretary here in the U.S., who told reporters traveling with him. Um, and we've indicated our concerns about that. Panetta, by the way, horrible choice for defense secretary, mostly because he always looks completely overwhelmed and freaked out. Was recently our director of the CIA, now our defense secretary. Google a picture of Leon Panetta. P-A-N-E-T-T-A. Man looks like, looks like Woody Allen and Drew B. the dog fucked and had a concerned baby. Okay, that's what he looks like. But the problem is that the Israelis think Iran will reach nuclear capability in half the time that we think they will. So we're at odds with that, but Iran, Israel cannot let Iran get nuclear weapons. Neither can we. So a, a strike on their ship might be coming. FYI, Republicans want to ban the use of welfare debit cards at strip clubs and liquor stores. Struggling families who are on welfare debit cards will no longer be allowed to withdraw their funds at ATMs in liquor stores, casinos, or strip clubs. If Republicans in the U.S. House of Representatives get their way. How dare they? I'm kidding. This is what I'm on board with. 
I totally agree with the Republicans on this one. The House overwhelmingly approved a bill on Sunday. It still has to get taken up in the Senate, which might take some time if it happens at all. But I totally agree with this. No one's using the ATM at a strip club to get money for baby food. You know what I'm saying? Unless the stripper's name is Baby. And the food is crack cocaine. In that case, then they perhaps are. But that's not the point. Because, you know, you're not getting welfare checks to take care of the crack cocaine needs of inappropriately named strippers. You know, it's just that's just obvious common sense. But now, if the Republicans were only against this and, say, super wealthy people paying crazy lower zero taxes, then they'd have a shot at becoming the good guy again. But when they aim to get this passed as a top major priority, when there are much more pressing issues, you guys come off like dicks and therefore are in violation of the don't be a dick pledge. I mean, if all of you can sign on to the Grover Norquist, this this lobbyist who's pigeonholed every Republican member of Congress, most of them, into signing this pledge, they will never raise a tax. Zero new taxes, even when the country's in dire need of it. Can we at least also sign the no, sign the don't be a dick pledge? Can we sign both? I'm going to put this pledge online. See how many people we can get worldwide to sign the don't be a dick pledge. First thing I got to do, I need to figure out how to get a petition online. Is there a website that gets petitions signed? Somebody uh, hit me up on Twitter, at Ben Glebe, hashtag last week on earth. Let me know how I can get a petition up. We're going to get people over the course of this podcast to sign the don't be a dick pledge. And we'll try to get... Congress people, world leaders, sign up on that shit. Maybe we'll try to get, you know, shit chilled out a little bit. We get enough, we get a critical mass signing on to the don't be a dick pledge. There'll be some dick. He's like, I'm going to sign that shit just to be an outlier. Well, you can lie out in the darkness by yourself without any friends. You dick who wants to be the last dick standing. Last dick standing. Uh, Super Bowl was this last weekend and, um, and uh um very exciting game. Patriots lost again in the last seconds to the New York Giants. Eli Manning at least head to head, better quarterback than Tom Brady. Lucky Tom Brady gets to go home and bang a very high supermodel. But this is time now for our annual first annual in-depth last week on earth Super Bowl commercial and halftime show review. I will shorten that title next year. I promise. Um, Madonna, halftime performer, 53 years old. As I pointed out on Chelsea lately, uh, the other day, little known fact, her vagina, 87 years old. And she had an amazing performance, but of course, not without its controversy. I thought it was great. I thought it was amazing how somebody 53 years old could lip sync just like she did in the nineties. Really seemed fresh. Um, but it had a controversy. MIA, who guested in the middle of one of the tracks there, one of the pre-recorded tracks that they have Madonna come out and dance around to world records. MIA comes out, flips the country the bird, gives them the middle finger during the performance. That is not cool. Um, not cool at all. Here's the thing you gotta understand about MIA, MIA though. Okay. Her birth name is Mathangi Arul Pragasum. Which, if that was your name, you'd be flicking people off too. It's not a cool name to have. But people are misinterpreting this because, um, yes, she did give the middle finger to everybody, 
But you got to understand this. She's Sri Lankan. And in Sri Lanka, the middle finger is actually a sign of great. Not still means go fuck yourself. Still not anything. It's not anything, anything fancy. But everybody said, Oh, Janet's breast was much more offensive. How are we so backwards in this country? What on earth would make a beautiful titty more offensive than someone's finger? A beautiful, natural titty. I mean, every single one of us, all of our children see beautiful titties our whole lives. We were born until age, you know, three, five, seven in some instances. We suck on them titties for milk every day. Okay? Some of us 10, 12 years old sucking on titties for milk every day. How is that offensive to anybody? A pretty titty. And Janet's pretty titty wasn't even fully naked during the Super Bowl. It had a pasty on it. So that's like modestly being dressed at the beach with a stripper pasty on your titty. It's ain't that modest, I guess, but it's not. My is telling us to go fuck ourselves. Both are not very offensive. But can we just re- relax? My point is, you see people at the beach with barely anything covering their titties. They're not getting FCC violations. Like Janet Jackson did. They should have made Timberlake Panio. He's the one that ripped the shirt off, exposing the pre-planned titty exposure. And also, about this year's, this year's halftime show, how come Madonna's allowed to sit on a dancer's head? And that's not controversial. That happened. She grinded her crotch on one of her dancer's head at one point. It's a little dirtier than a finger. And then she humped the guy from LMFAO's head too. I think it was the A guy or the O maybe. Rode around on his head for a while. At one point, I couldn't tell if it was the guy's huge afro or, 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 or Madonna's downstairs situation. You don't know with Madonna. She's old school. At one point in the performance, also she and Nicki Minaj, who's very hot, rubbed their bums on each other. That was way more explicit than a middle finger and also was the greatest play of the Super Bowl. Just for the record. Then during like a prayer, it got all intense and religious. And am I the only person that felt like Madonna was trying to convert us to Kabbalah? I felt that way in my heart of hearts. End of a performance. Madonna has them flash up on these cards in the field. World peace. And with that, she brought world peace to our planet. That's a wide-ranging halftime show, isn't it? From head-humping and bum-rubbing to to creating world peace. Let's talk about the commercials. Moving on. John Stamos commercial, the best one of the Super Bowl. Laugh out loud funny. Yes, Stamos is a likable guy. But for some reason, I think we liked it so much, it was cathartic for us because I feel like a lot of us have always wanted to headbutt John Stamos. For some reason, that commercial just felt good. I mean, am I alone on this, guys? If I am, I would like to apologize, Mr. Stamos. Okay? Headbutting you is not something I want to do really bad. It was just a passing thought, maybe once in a while, a couple times a week, you know? But I don't know what it was for. I think maybe a yogurt or some shit. No idea what brand. Millions of dollars down the drain. Sorry, nameless yogurt. Funny commercial. I don't give a shit about you. Don't know who you are. The M&M commercial. Pretty funny. Not going to lie. Also thought it was kind of creepy, however. I think it's a little creepy in general when the M&M's talk and dance and things like this. I don't think Candy should ever dance. 
Because then candy would get sweaty and nobody wants sweaty candy. But then this commercial, one of the candies rips his skin off in the middle of a party. And I know they're trying to get us to think it's the M&M's clothing. But come on, we all know the truth. M&M's don't wear clothing. It would taste clothy and be horrible to swallow. So don't give us creepy commercials. Listen, I've always loved John Stamos. Can I make that clear? It was just a joke. I don't, I don't want everybody in the country to get, to get me wrong. Everybody in the world listening to this. Uncle Jesse, man, I'm a fan. You know, the good old full house days. Whatever happened to predictability? The milkman, the paper boy, even MTV. Oh, I hope that's the full house theme song. Might be family matters. Those two always confuse me. They're similar theme songs. But I think it's Full House, right? Is it Full House? Waiting just around the bend. Everywhere you look, wanna hit John Stamos right in his big, pretty forehead. Not a dream of mine, but it's just something I've, you know, I'll, I'll daydream about. Chevy's commercial about the end of the world. Pretty badass commercial. Very bold saying their friend didn't make it through the apocalypse because he drove a Ford. That is a bold ad. Uh, Ford has been asking them to take the commercial down, asked them to not run it in advance. But GM's global chief marketing officer, Joel Ewenick, said in a press release, we stand by our claims in the commercial. I quote this, that the Silverado is the most dependable, longest-lasting full-size pickup on the road, we can wait until the world ends if we need to. At that time, we will apologize. In the meantime, people who are really worried about the Mayan calendar coming true should buy a Silverado right away. That's an exact quote from this man who's taking himself a little seriously or is being hilarious, but still pretty awesome. Um that Kia fantasy dream sequence commercial where the magical dream elf sprinkles magic dust in this guy's wife and she pictures being on a white horse with some studly guy. Then the elf goes to the other side of the bed, trips, accidentally sprays way too much dream powder on the husband. Suddenly, he's in this magical dream world with Adriana Lima on a racetrack, a guy riding a rhinoceros. It was a pretty great dream world. Then at the end, in a in a twist I did not see coming, M. Night Shyamalan style, he breaks into his wife's dream world, catches her as she falls off a horse. I did not see this coming. It was a full romantic fairy tale love story in a car commercial with Adriana Lima half naked and a rhino. Nicely done, Kia. Danica Patrick was hotter this year than she has been in these in the past years. Slutty, uh, Go Daddy commercials. Her acting is getting better. She's more believable. But they want us to start buying .co domain names. .co? How about .no? That's not going to catch on for nobody. .co is .co crazy. They're expecting that. The Career Builder commercial with the monkeys. It was cool till the end when the, when, when the guy ended up in bed with three monkeys. That was a strange bestiality twist I did not want. And then if you notice, one of the monkeys was kind of grabbing for his crotch and they were lying there in bed at the end, right before the commercial cut out. That might, that might be a step far for a commercial. I don't need to see man monkey love commercials to encourage me to get another career. I'll do it, you know? I don't need to show me a guy getting yanked off by a damn ape. By a damn dirty ape. I mean, it's absurdness. 
By the way, anybody know what Chevy runs deep means? What the hell does that mean? Even with that slogan for years, it's a ridiculous Chevy runs deep. What does it mean to anybody? Nobody knows. No one even thinks they know. Probably my favorite commercial, I would have to say, not as funny as Stamos, but pretty amazing. That commercial with the smoking hot Italian girl. The commercial for, for uh, Fiat. The 500 Arbath commercial. She seduces, she seduces this nerdy business guy by speaking Italian to his ear and then getting coffee foam on her chest and everything amazing in life. I mean, I am in. I will buy what they are selling. Until I realize there's a tiny little Fiat car. I'm not interested. But fabulous commercial. I mean, Italian can be a sexy language to hear, but I've never heard it this sexy. Che cosa guardi, eh? Che cosa guardi? Mi stai spogliando con gli occhi? Oh, slapped him. Non puoi farne a meno, poverino. Oh, skin good. Ti batte il cuore. Ti gira la testa. Ti gira la testa. Ti gira la testa. This, I mean, honestly, this woman needs to win an award for being super, super hot Italian foam, foamy chest of the year award. Then she takes it up even another notch, gets a little hotter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Please, I would like all of that. I'm not going to try because that's it's not my game to do that. But I'll tell you what, mm, I'm a fan of that shite. Good Lord. The Samsung Galaxy Note commercial... The one that's the new phone with the pen. Everybody starts dancing in the fucking streets. Because they got a pen on their phone. That was Palm Pilot did that a billion years ago. I'm not dancing in the streets for that shit. Nobody's going to... Honestly. Bullshit. Yeah, I would dance in the streets for that Italian girl, maybe. Even if she is just really a car in that guy's mind. I'd still dance in the streets for her. But not for a damn pen phone. There were a lot of inspirational America commercials this year. And then wrapping up our Super Bowl halftime ad review, first annual super long bullshit name for the thing, is the Clint Eastwood commercial for Chrysler. Very inspirational. Trying to get people psyched about America again. It was called Halftime in America. Listen to this sound clip. This country can't be knocked out with one punch. We get right back up again. And when we do, the world's going to hear the roar of our engines. Yeah, it's halftime America, and our second half's about to begin. Man, that is badass. Dirty Harry sounds dirtier and hairier than ever, man. Oh, my God. It's halftime America. I sound more greedy than even Kristen Bale playing Batman. Oh, we get right back up like Chumbawamba taught us. When we get punched, we get up again. Ain't nobody gonna keep us down. Punk, I get knocked down. But then I realized uh, Detroit could have probably used that $15 million, whatever they spent for that two-minute-long commercial, instead of just doing a commercial. So I'm conflicted. Also came out, subsequently, it was filmed in New Orleans. A little controversy, not too big a deal. But more interestingly, Eastwood was a critic of the auto bailout. It was obviously highlighted positively in that commercial about Detroit getting back on its feet. Actually, I was against that part. You're saying it's in the script? Okay, I will do it. But you're only getting one take. You can girl like a tiger. It's Clint Eastwood. 
The ad was amazing, though. I got to give it credit. Um, but because it was a little political, there was huge uproar. Eastwood had to defend himself to Bill O'Reilly's producer over the content of the ad. He told exclusively their producers, I'm certainly not affiliated with Mr. Obama. It was meant to be a message about job growth in the spirit of America. I think all politicians will agree with it, that the spirit was okay. If any Obama, if any Obama, just one Obama, if any Obama or other politician wants to run the spirit of that ad, go for it. He's so badass, Clint Eastwood. He's like a little too badass. It's almost unnaturally badass. But when asked about it on Fox News just yesterday, former George W. Bush advisor Carl Rove said he was offended by the ad, by the inspiring ad. said he, he accused Obama's political minions of, quote, using our tax dollars to buy corporate advertising. White House denies this. Of course they didn't, had, they didn't buy it. They had no involvement in the ad. You're just allowed to make shit up right now? You're allowed to make shit up? These days? On the television? Want to say whatever you want to say? Yes, you can. Our next story makes that abundantly clear. We'll get in a minute to some crazy Fox News reactions to the story where you'll see just insanity being spoken. But big uproar this week. Also, Obama mentions Jesus. It's great when Republicans mention Jesus. Please mention Jesus all you want. Obama mentions Jesus. Big uproar. Here's a audio clip of Obama speaking this week. Meanwhile, President Obama says taxing the rich is the Christian thing to do. For me as a Christian, it also coincides with Jesus' teaching that for unto whom much is given, much shall be required. Is it okay for the president to mix religion and politics? Well, yeah, if it's okay for other people, play by the same damn rules, Fox News, please. And they take it to a new level of crazy. When they had this man on Fox and Friends, their absurd, ridiculously stupid morning program, they had one of their Fox News contributors, Stephen Crowder, come on. And the anchor guy asked him his thoughts of Obama saying this, just saying that Jesus in Christian faith believes in helping the poor. And this guy's angry with that principle and Obama saying it. Listen, this is a little bit of a long clip, but you have to hear the man's absurd statement. Absurd fucking response to Obama saying that. Here's the clip. When I hear this, there are really only three possible outcomes because he's sort of been invoking this for a lot of reasons now, the name of Jesus. Uh, one, either, you know, first let's assume, by the way, that he is telling the truth, even though those folks in Discovery Channel have more chance of finding Squatch than you have of finding Obama in a church. Let's say he's got God on line one. He really squatch. is all the time when making his decisions. That just proves to me that I've got the wrong guy on the phone when I'm praying, and that if anything else, uh, I, along with most pastors and Bible-believing Christians, are possibly Satanists. B, this guy uh, should go back to uh, burning the taxpayer-funded incense to whatever pagan foreign deity he's worshiping because it's not Jesus, or... Three, uh, this guy's lying to us, simply trying to score political points, which you see with Barack Obama a lot, and he's rapidly ticked off the Christian voter base, so he probably needs to appeal them a little bit. I'm sorry, excuse me? The three possible reasons why Obama's saying that it's Christian values to help out the poor are that either he's lying or he's praying to the real God, which makes you believe you have the wrong God on the phone? Obama can't pray to the same God that you have? And it's more likely... That you'd find Squatch? You mean Sasquatch, first of all, you complete moron, dickhead, ass face. Secondly, those are the three possibilities? 
How about the possibility that he's just saying a common sense thing that is a major part of the Christian faith and values, and he's trying to inspire people to help those in need? That's not even one of the possible options. Well, hopefully the anchor of Fox and Friends smacked this guy down very aggressively and uh, hits him real hard right now with his follow-up. But, of course, he does not. Here's the sound. Simply trying to score political points, which you see with Barack Obama a lot, and he's rapidly ticked off the Christian voter base, so he probably needs to appeal them a little bit. Here it is. Well, what the left is saying is saying people are jumping on this too quickly and that there is a problem with some of what the president said, which is, look... They're jumping on it too quickly. How about shouldn't jump on it at all? Because it's a non-fucking issue, you idiots, you assholes. That's the that's the response you have to this guy saying absurd, nonsensical, hate-filled garbage about our president? Who's saying a totally benign thing? Somehow this got worse. And this moron Fox News contributor Stephen Crowder ends up buying saying this, by saying this, and again... You'll hear the response from the fo- from the Fox and Friends anchor. Does he smack him down in his last chance, or does he uh, respond in a very light way, reminiscing about a childhood game? Let's see. Which, which one of the two? Overseas, because I don't know how he'd feel about that. And it seems to be that morally, he's diametrically opposed to Christians. So, how, if you're in that direct contact with the Lord, do you get it wrong that often? It sounds to me like he's playing a bad game of telephone. <laughs> uh, I remember telephone from nursery school. Thanks, Steve. Ah, he's diametrically opposed to Christianity, to Christian values. Where are you getting this from? From your fat mouth? Just simply from your fat mouth? And the anchor responds by saying, I remember telephone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're all dicks, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. We're getting a good paycheck, though. That's fine. But speaking of our black president, this brings me to our next topic, Black History Month. It is February, everybody. Many comedians made the joke, it's why Black History Month got to be the shortest month in the calendar. It's true. A lot of people made that joke, but still it's nice to have a month to take time out and uh, honor a very important people in our country. Um, side note, by the way, how come we're not supposed to call it African American History Month? I've always wondered that. Um, in thinking about Black History Month, by the way, I'm reading through an interesting book about Abraham Lincoln. Um of course, the president that helped lead our country out of slavery, obviously our darkest period as a nation. The book is called The Wit and Wisdom of Abraham Lincoln. Um, a black friend of mine made the good point. He said, how come I'm not reading a book about an actual black person? That is a, that is a strong point. I had not thought of that. Um, I will try to get that going for next week. But as another side note, though, still, here's a cool passage from that book about Lincoln. Uh, and I quote, Once he was prosecuting a civil suit in the course of which evidence was introduced showing that his client was attempting a fraud, Lincoln rose and went to his hotel in deep disgust. The judge sent for him, but he refused to come. Tell the judge, Lincoln said, my hands are dirty. I came over to wash them. Do you think we have any politicians anywhere these days with that level of integrity? Isn't that maybe the entire problem with the system? Politicians have no more integrity whatsoever. People are doing shady shit. They'll be like, yeah, whatever. It's cool. Let's keep it running. Because you and I both are huge Jersey Shore fans. And I feel like if we watch it together, we could GTL the shit out of ourselves and just have a blast. Jim Tan Laundry, motherfucker. Um, I actually did, however, find a great clip of a prominent, inspiring African-American 
the great Morgan Freeman. The mother sees her chick for the first time. And at last, the family is together. I'm sorry, he was talking about penguins right there. That was a clip about penguins. Um, but okay, I do have a good one for you. Here's Barack Obama, our first black president, historical African-American uh, uh, historical figure, historical black figure. He's a historical figure regardless of color, but it's Black History Month, so you're allowed to say historical black figure. Uh, it's a long clip, about one minute long, but I assure you it'll fly by um, because you, you got to hear how he builds this. This is from almost exactly four years ago to this day when he was running for president. Uh, not the inauguration speech, not the nomination speech, just a regular old campaign speech to remind you how amazing of a speaker Obama is and how, whether you like him or hate him, you got to admit the guy knows how to give a speech. This is him in Milwaukee responding to Hillary Clinton. Interestingly, now his secretary of state, Hillary Clinton, who was running against him, attacking his campaign as being just words. Listen now as he smacks the shit out of that argument. And this argument about words not mattering, I. The most important thing that we can do right now is to re-engage the American people in the process of governance, to get them excited and interested again in what works and what can work in our government, to make politics cool again and important again and relevant again. Don't tell me words don't matter. I have a dream. Just words. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Just words. We have nothing to fear but fear itself. Just words. Just speeches. True that speeches don't solve all problems. But what is also true is if we cannot inspire the country to believe again, then it doesn't matter how many policies and plans we have. And that is why I'm running for President of the United States of America. And that's why we just won eight elections straight, because the American people want to believe in change again. Don't tell me words don't matter. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Man, is that good. He built that shit so inspiring. Quick question, where's that guy? What happened to that guy? All of a sudden, he's president now. It's like, oh, we got a lot of tough work to do. A lot of work ahead of us. I got my vice president, Boo Boo, here to assist me. But we need all of you to chip in to your uh, hypothetical picnic baskets. Make sure that uh, our country gets back on track. We gotta get back on track. Um, I miss that guy. The one who was about the big inspirational sweeping changes, not the little minutia getting stuck down in the bogged down gravy train. Gravy train, not in a good way. Like, oh, it's a gravy train and money coming in. Like a thick, chunky gravy train. Like a train filled with gravy in the train car. You're trying to just get to the bathroom and you're wading through thick, chunky gravy to get there. It's difficult to even walk. Um, Rounding out our our segment, our topic of Black History Month is one of my favorite African-Americans, a very well-respected gentleman, a poet, notorious B.I.G., Biggie Smalls, who said some words 
that have always impacted me. And here's the clip. I'm just trying to stay above water, you know, stay busy, stay working. I was telling you, like, the key to this joint, the key to stay on top of things is to treat everything like it's your first project, you know what I'm saying? Like it's your first day, like I wasn't even an intern. Like, that's how you try to treat things, like, just stay hungry. Yeah, that is the key right there to success, I think, in life. Treat everything like it's your first project. Like when you was an intern, stay hungry. Biggie might have taken that last part a little too literally. He's, you know, dude was a big dude. I think he was always hungry, but rest in peace, my friend. Um, anyway, in a related study out last week, racists are stupid. Published in Psychological Science, this study showed that people who score low on IQ tests in childhood are more likely to develop prejudiced beliefs and socially conservative politics in adulthood. So do not be racist because it means you are an idiot. Why is this? Why Why did the study realize that less intelligent people are drawn to more conservative ideologies and sometimes prejudiced ideologies? Because they said such ideologies will often feature uh, struck a lot more structure and order that make it easier to comprehend our complicated world. In fairness, the study also said less intelligent types might be attracted to some liberal simplifying uh, ideologies as well as conservative ones they didn't cite any it's harder to think of them because liberal ones tend to be more complex it's about the future it's about figuring out how to navigate through this complex world not sticking down to well you know black people are bad because they i didn't i didn't have none of them around me so point being if you're racist you're probably dumb to make yourself smarter open your mind a little that's the only point i'm trying to make Okay, and just because something is easy does not make it right. It doesn't make it an acceptable opinion to have about something in the world that, oh, well, it's easier to understand the world if I'm racist. Oh, really? But it's also easier to walk around without pants. You don't have to put pants on in the morning. Doesn't mean you should walk around pantsless like a racist asshole. You know, you cannot believe in things just because they're easy. Take this from me. I'm a man that used to pray to easy cheese, the cheese you spray out of a can. Okay, that's not even something to pray to. Republican race update. Let's do it. It's time to fill you in on what's going on there. Try to breeze through this. Big one this week. Romney is not concerned with the very poor. He made this uber gaff of a sound clip this week. I'm in this race because I care about Americans. I'm not concerned about the very poor. We have a safety net there. If it needs repair, I'll fix it. I'm not concerned about the very rich. They're doing just fine. I'm concerned about the very heart of America. I said I'm not concerned about the very poor that have a safety net, but if it has holes in it, I will repair them. Got it. Okay. Uh, The the challenge right now, we we, we will hear from the Democrat, Democrat Party. The plight of the poor, and and there's no question it, it's not good being poor, and we have yep. a safety net to help those like you know. But my campaign is focused on middle income Americans. My campaign, I mean, we, we, you can choose where to focus. You can focus on the rich. That's not my focus. You can focus on the very poor. That's not my focus. <laughs> you can choose where to focus. I'm just choosing not to focus on the very poor. That's the only reason why I'm not focusing them because I'm choosing to not focus on them. That's my explanation. I could I could focus if I so chose, but I'd rather not focus on the very poor because it's so far from who I am. I cannot relate to them. I mean, you do not want to stay when running for president 
You are not concerned about the very poor. Tries to cover it up by saying, I'm not concerned about the very rich. They're doing just fine. Yeah, nobody's concerned about the very rich. Nobody makes any sense running for office trying to help change things for the very rich because shit's good for the very rich because they're very rich. Is that not obvious sense? Am I the only person that realizes that shit? Romney just has this like, he makes these mistakes all the time because he doesn't have that core of belief why he's running. It seems so clear to me. He's this like shell of a guy who just, he's, he's a, always has this like underlying nervousness when he speaks. This like need to be president vibe about him. It's like, I, 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 because I want to run because I want to become president. <laughs> I mean, here's a clip I'll, I'll play for you right now where he gets coaxed into singing. This man gets coaxed. He's speaking and randomly breaks into song in a very awkward way. Listen to this. I love the hymns of America, by the way. America the beautiful. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies. <laughs> for amber waves of grain. For purple mountains. You want to sing that? Is that what you're saying? All right. No one said sing it. Yeah, okay. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies. For amber waves of grain. For purple mountains, majesty above the fruited plain. This guy is completely ridiculous. He's nobody even coaxed him into singing. He's just like, oh, someone's cheering. Okay, I'll sing for you. You want me to dance? I'll dance. Don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me? I am a really weird Mitt Romney. Don't ya? I mean, come on. Really? This guy just, he's like, he's a shell of a man. John King on CNN slipped this week, um, called Governor Romney by the wrong name. Pretty wrong. Good Freudian slip here. Listen to this. Look at one more as we come down the line here. If you look here, among faith, obviously Governor Mormon is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He's a Mormon. And he won big among Mormons. He won nine out of every ten votes among Mormons. Congressman Paul coming in second place. But he also won. The wow. First of all, you're saying Mormon a lot, and you just called him Governor Mormon. Um, yeah, he's pretty Mormon. Donated millions to the church. Probably he's wearing magical underwear as we speak, but Governor Mormon's a pretty hilarious thing to call him. Um, and then despite all of this, uh, the not caring about poor people, uh, singing awkwardly, still wins Nevada this week by a lot. Gingrich didn't even seem to notice. Gingrich goes up there. He's like, if you give me the honor of, of, of the presidency, I pledge you my sacred honor. I pledge you my sacred honor. It's a man who pledged his sacred honor to three wives already. Three wives deep. His sacred honor don't mean shit. Ron Paul had a strong showing in Nevada, but let's be honest, his candidacy was unlikely to go anywhere in the first place. And now that unlikeliness is looking even more unlikely. So that's not good for him. Good news. President Obama clearly listening to this podcast. Because last week on last week, Aisha Tyler and I talked about how he needs to let super PACs raise money for him because you got to bring a knife to a knife fight. Even though super PACs suck and are ruining our politics, that's currently the law of the land. So until it gets fixed, if the Republicans are going to raise untold, undisclosed millions to fight Obama, he's got to fight back. He said he was against it. And this week, changing his stance, his campaign is reconfiguring their approach to super PACs worried that they will be overwhelmed by conservative groups raising unlimited crazy amounts of money of people they don't even have to tell you who it is. And the president's advisors have signaled to donors that he will soften for the time being his long-standing opposition to those outside groups. And so hopefully it'll be at least a more fair fight when the general election rolls around. Um, now it's time for a new segment on our podcast. 
called Last Week's One Step Forward, One Step Back. Okay, yeah, I, I, I was saying one, I said one step forward, one step back. Paul Abdul always is so confused. Why is that? Great song by iTunes, opposite track. Um, here's a step forward. Washington State is about to legalize same-sex marriage. Associated Press reporting the Washington State Senate on Wednesday passed a bill one week ago that would legalize same-sex marriage setting the stage for the state to become the seventh to allow gay and lesbian couples to get hitched and probably then ruin their lives. Um, the galleries burst into applause when the Senate announced this. 28-21, they voted for it. Four Republicans cross party lines voted with the majority Democrats for the measure. Three Democrats voted against it. This is what I want to see in politics. Case by case shit. People crossing party lines based on their beliefs. How's that for a novel concept? Who gives a shit about party lines? They're just lines in, in a party. The whole point of a party is supposed to be a fun, loose time. You don't stay within the lines at a party. You trample on lines with your beer pong cup and chug that shit till you get drunk and puke all over the floor. That's what parties are about. Not about rigid lines. This gay marriage news is appropriate from Washington State, famous for its apples, because Washington, therefore, is known for its fruit. You get the pun I'm going for there? Is fruit an offensive term for gay people? Last week, Aisha Tyler made it seem like it was, and she said a less offensive term um, for uh, gay guys that love to uh, to hang around straight women, call them fruit flies. Instead of the offensive term fag hag, she said call them fruit flies. So I guess it's not offensive. I mean, a little bit to call somebody a fruit dehumanizes people, to call them a fruit, but then again, Fruit is not that offensive to be called. Fruit tastes awesome. Fruits, come on. It's way better than being called like old bread or some shit. Nobody wants to be called old bread is my point. Even even birds are like, what, what am I supposed to do with this old bread? Eat it and then never take off again? You know, birds don't want that. And here's the step back from last week. One million moms harass J.C. Penny. To drop Ellen DeGeneres, Yahoo.com reports. After its recent temporary victory against Planned Parenthood this last week and the Susan G. Komen for the Cure Foundation, get into that in a second, but one million moms, an offshoot of the American Family Association, turned its sights on J.C. Penny. They don't have a million moms, by the way. It's just a name, exaggerated bullshit name. But according to Reuters, one million moms objects to JCPenney because openly gay talk show host Ellen DeGeneres is her new spokesperson. Really? Not going to shop at JCPenney because the lovable Ellen DeGeneres is speaking for them? You're not going to be able to buy fucking baby bibs now and discount blenders and oversized sweatpants because a gay person is doing their commercials? Who do you think designs clothes? I think it's straight dudes designing. Maybe JCPenney clothes, maybe, are designed by straight dudes and straight women. Because they suck at it. Any good designer's gay, you know that. So anybody who's wearing a designer thing should never have the right to criticize this. You shouldn't have the right to do it anyway. The right, fine. But you should not do it. This organization is, is their, their, their whole mission, the American Family 
Association, started in 1977 by a United Methodist Church pastor in Mississippi. Their mission is to preserve marriage and family, decency, morality, sanctity of life, stewardship, and media integrity. What is stewardship? They want, they want people to to helm spacecrafts. What does that even mean, stewardship? Um, one million moms along with one million dads, the other offshoot of AFA, speaks out against what members call the, quote, culture war in America by launching boycotts and letter campaigns and all that shit. You're the ones calling it a war, okay? You're attacking J.C. Penney for embracing minorities. They literally said they're choosing her to satisfy a minority. And what, we don't ever want to embrace a minority in this country? Nah, why would we embrace a minority? We want to make minorities always feel like outsiders. That way they stay minorities and because we are dicks. Don't be a dick. The group also criticized JCPenney for not responding to its complaints. Well, yeah, you're not going to get a, a response to that shit. It's like, how do you declare war on somebody and then criticize them for being at war with you? We're going to declare war on, on people that are trying to get rights. Oh, now you're going to be at war with us? Because we declared war on you? If you don't want to be at war, don't declare war on people. Of course we shouldn't change anything, institute any change people want, but ones that don't hurt other people? People just want rights and fairness? Don't be a dick. Allow people to have fairness. But the same group, one million moms, won another battle temporarily, thank goodness, against Susan G. Komen for the Cure this week because part of their donations would go, I do go, to fund mammograms at Planned Parenthood, which is the big ballyhooed controversial group simply because they do perform some abortions, 3% of what they do. So Susan G. Komen caved to this pressure this week and announced it was pulling its funding of Planned Parenthood. They already could not use the funds earmarked for breast cancer treatment in abortion activities. And that's the only funding they give them is for breast cancer treatment. And they caved and said, fine, we'll pull it. They're basically saying, even if you just go to a place that ever conducts an abortion, you should get cancer. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. That's a great plan for me to poop on. To quote the, the late, great Triumph, the insult comic dog. Because that's fucking ridiculous. But this one has a positive ending. Like I mentioned, they finally reversed their decision. Thank goodness, some common sense prevailing and decided to put back or to not at least pull back their funding for the breast cancer exams at Planned Parenthood, at least for the rest of this fiscal year. But of course, Rick Santorum backed their originally pulling the funding with absurd nonsensical logic. Take a listen to this. Uh, by funding an organization that uh, does abortions where you've seen ties to cancer uh, and, and abortion. So uh, I don't think it's a partic- particularly healthy way of contributing uh, money to to further the cause of breast cancer. But that's for a private organization like Susan, Susan B. Komen to, uh, to make that decision. I mean, I almost don't want to respond to that clip. He's trying to link breast cancer exams. He's trying to, li- he's trying to link abortion to breast cancer. You understand? Definitely abortion does not cause breast cancer. They're totally different parts of the body unless people are performing abortions in their breasts. It's very unlikely there's any effect on the breasts. It's just, you know, 
Just because an organization is doing something that's legally on the books does not mean it should stop helping people who do not have the funds to take care of their own health care from getting screened for breast cancer. That's you not see that's far more evil. If you're against getting rid of an unborn brand new fetus, which you can argue whether you think is life or not, but it's not more valuable than a current adult life. Is that not obvious sense? Let me give you an example. Let's say that you had a a a a little bit of change, okay, in in your pocket, and then somebody brings along a bag of money. Which is more money, the change or the bag of money? Which is more valuable, the bag of money or the little bit of change in your pocket? Okay, take that analogy, run to the bank with it, and deposit it because it's money in 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 the analogy in banks. That's what banks deal with. Um. There's obviously no link between breast cancer and abortions. Abortion services, like I said, 3% of Planned Parenthood's activities, while cancer screening and prevention is 16% of what they do. Romney also backed this. It's absurd. That's all the major news we have to cover this week. It's time in a moment to take answers to my Twitter question this week before we go into the Thunder Round and wrap this puppy up. But like I just said, before the Thunder Round, we ought to go to Twitter. That's the order. That's the way things are going to go down. It's time for things little birdie told me. This week's question I asked people on Twitter at Ben Glebe, hashtag last week on earth. Where are you from and what life is like there? I was amazed by the geographic diversity of the show's listeners. It was pretty cool to see. Um, L.M. Bigelow responded, I live in Bucksport, Maine. I have two dogs. Life is good until my neighbors tried to have the loudest sex ever. I don't like that. Don't hate Bigelow. Come on, L.M. Bigelow. People need to get their freak on. You should enjoy it. If you can hear it, embrace it. Have a little fun time with yourself or, you know, or, or whatever. Put on headphones and read a book, but don't hate on their love. Kaiser kicks. On Twitter said to me, Sweden, right now it's fucking freezing about five degrees Fahrenheit. But when it's warm, it's a pretty nice place to live. Thank you for listening all the way in Sweden. You're probably hot and blonde and sitting there rolling around on Sound of Music style fields while listening to this podcast in your ears. That makes me feel wonderful. TV and movie nerds on Twitter said, I live in Arkansas. Have you ever seen Deliverance? Pretty much that. Gotcha. Thank you for um the honesty. Nanthan B. It's like Nathan with an N randomly in the middle. Nanthan B said near this is a person from Australia, so of course I have to read it in an Australian accent. Said near to Woomba, Queensland, Australia. High humidity, summer storms, and sweaty armpits, the order of the day here. Hooray for beer. I only read that to do the accent and i don't feel great about it as i did it it's okay interesting tweet ending with hooray for beer which is obviously the red stripe jamaican beer slogan so that's very confusing at the end loopy mom three said um she's carrie in lumberport west virginia no traffic light two convenience stores a video store post office town water pd building two rec centers vfd Mayberry-ish. I don't know what VFD means. 
I looked it up. According to Wikipedia, a lot of possible definitions for VFD. It may mean vacuum fluorescent display, variable frequency drive, virtual floppy driver, virtual floppy disk drive, vicarious phyli die, which is Latin for representative of the Son of God. VFD also is a secret organization within the book series Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events. The purposes of the organization are never made clear. Or it means volunteer fire department. I'm guessing it's that. Sounds like a nice little Mayberryish life you got there. And Dusty, I'm sorry, Duty Arsh says, I'm from Iran, and the places are very poorly structured and the people are poor. Oh, yeah, and most of them hate the government, too. That's an interesting perspective for us to have. Even in Iran, we can't demonize the people in any place that we say is our enemies. It's the governmental structures that are at fault. It's the terrorist organizations that are at fault, not the people. There are normal people who listen to wonderful podcasts and have great podcast taste. You know, it's all put in perspective at the end of it by Maya Karam, who said, I live in Warsaw, Poland. It's freezing right now. Negative eight Fahrenheit degrees. But it's fun because we party indoor all the time. Hashtag house party. That is the spirit right there, Maya Karam. No matter where you live, make the best of what you got and party your ass off and cross the lines of the party. Use your common sense. It's time for the Thunder Round. This last week, they announced the birth of a two-faced kitten. This happened, of course, in Florida, where all kinds of crazy shit happens constantly. Very rare two-faced black cat. Um, when he eats, looks like both sides are chewing. When he mouths, comes out of both sides. Um, people thought it was, they put an ad for help on Craigslist. People said it was a beast and an abomination. They should kill the cat. Again, some things a little ugly don't mean you should kill it. It should be obvious, like morals you learn at age five. But these are called apparently Janus cats, and some live through to old age. In fact, the oldest of these cats is 12 years old, and there are plenty of cases, according to Guinness World Records, of these two-faced cats. That is creepy as fuck. Like, I'm not into killing anything, but maybe you got a two-faced, creepy-ass black cat. Maybe. I'm not saying you kill it, but maybe you do not keep it around the kids. Don't keep it. It's just two, it has two mouths. Cats are creepy enough with just one mouth. So that's frightening. Also in Florida, a man adopted his girlfriend last week. A wealthy Florida man adopted his 42-year-old girlfriend as his daughter in a move that people are saying he's doing to protect his assets during an upcoming lawsuit. The guy founded the Polo Club at the, at, in uh, Palm Beach, adopted his longtime partner. His name is John Goodman, by the way, no relation. To me or the actor John Goodman. Uh, I think this is taking the phrase, who is your daddy, a little far. Don't you think? Do we not have any common sense anymore? I mean, adoption is supposed to be to become somebody's parent. Not to protect yourself from a lawsuit while you're banging the person you're adopting. That is absurdness. Yale this week, one of our most prestigious, intelligent, intellectual institutions in our nation... It's having its annual sex week. And this year to compete with it, they're starting a true love week. 
The week started, Sex Week started as a way to promote sexual health through a series of events and workshops. We'll also include this year's sessions on pornography. Very nice. But people, I mean, I don't know. Do we really need sessions on pornography? I feel like people pretty much got a, got the hang of it. Maybe this is for people without fingers or internet connections, perhaps. Um, but undergraduates for a better Yale College, an organization that sounds like it has never been laid, has started True Love Week to compete. They say it will focus less on casual sex and more on relationships and will be attended by no one. No, it'll probably be attended by all girls and sex week by all guys and nobody will hook up during either of those weeks. One thing they'll probably, sex week will probably be done a lot faster and it will be disappointing for everybody involved. That is probably a guarantee. And to round out the sex talk this episode, Porn star Kieran Lee has taken out a $1 million insurance policy on his penis. Lloyd's of London, the firm that famously insured Bruce Springsteen and Bob Dylan's voices, their vocal cords, Betty Grable and David Beckham's legs. Um, Brazzers, his porn studio, took out the policy. Now, I'm very familiar with this guy Kieran Lee's work. And honestly, I'm not that big a fan. Okay, This guy has been in 800 porn films. Always acts real surprised to be getting blown. Hey, what's going on? It's happening here. You've been 800 movies, dude. Act natural, right? I could be a great porn director if I, you know, I mean, I'm not going to do it, but I could be. We all probably could be. It's not that hard to direct porn. But, you know, it's an interesting story and hurtful to me because I've been trying to get my penis insured for years. And it's not that I get turned down. It's just they all want very high premium. Because they tell me that they all think there's just a very high chance something will go wrong. I don't even know what they mean by that. Our last story in the lightning round, a middle school kid sold pot brownies out of her backpack. Big trouble this week, facing discipline, selling marijuana lace brownies to 20 of her fellow students. She was selling them for $3 each. This is the big problem here. This girl needs to take an economics class. You can get way more than $3 for a pot brownie. Brownies alone, $3. Easy purchase. Delicious. Throw marijuana into the mix. I'm paying $7, $8 even in middle school for that. Even though I did not ever do pot in middle school. But you put it in brownie form, put it in front of my face. I'm telling you, Mrs. Smith's science class would be extra weird. She's already psycho. It would be super extra weird. A couple quick plugs before we're out of here. I will be at the comic strip in Edmonton, Canada tonight, February 8th through the 12th. Get tickets at thecomicstrip.ca, where the CA is for Canada. My album's dropping. I've been teasing it for a long time. Produced by Margaret Cho. Sometime in the near future. Release date, I do not know still. But next week, since I've been teasing it for so long, I'll release in two weeks. Next solo episode, I'll release a little sample clip from the album. Um, next week's guest is a surprise, but don't forget March 6th, star of Breaking Bad, three-time Emmy winner for Best Actor, Brian Cranston will be my guest. Um, I will leave you in a minute with a little bit more of the song you heard earlier. Jay-Z's my first song with the intro by Biggie Smalls. Buy it on iTunes because it's a killer song, very motivating. It's got a few verses I consider the other keys to success in life. Plus just a sick gangster flow. You can't. You can't hate on a sick gangster flow. You can't. If you enjoy Last Week on Earth, please spread the word. 
Hit me up on Twitter at Ben Glebe, hashtag last week on earth. Until last week, next week. This is last week on earth. Well, I'm just trying to stay above water, you know? Just stay busy, stay working. I was telling you, like, the key to this joint, the key to stay on top of things is to treat everything like it's your first project, you know what I'm saying? Like it's your first day, like I wasn't even an intern. Like, that's how you try to treat things, like, just stay hungry. Wanna know why you don't stop, y'all wanna know why you don't flop Let me tell you people why I came from the bottom of the block I, when I was born, it was sworn I was never gonna be shit Had to feel the opposite, I was bitch Had to get my ride on I saw the pride, Sean knew I had to Had to, had to get these chips Had to make moves like Elijah Wong Started out selling dimes and nicks Graduated to a brick No exaggeration, my infatuation with the strip Legendary like a schoolboy Crush on any, any, every, every chick Heavy shit that's how schoolboy got whipped and got left on some Just me, myself, and I on some true boy shit Had the voice to a place up, to a place of no return Had to play with fire and get burned, only way the boy ever gonna learn Had to lay way in the cut, till I finally got my turn Now I'm on top in the spot that I earned It's my life, it's my pain and my struggle The song that I sing to you is my everything Treat my first like my last and my last like my first and my birth is the same as when I came. It's my joy and my tears and the laughter it brings to me is my everything. Like I never rode in a limo, like I just dropped flows to a demo. Like it's 92 again, and, and I got O's in the rental. Back in the stool again, no problem, it's a whole lot simple. When you think back, you thought that you would never make it this far. Then you take advantage of the luck you handed, of the talent you've been given. Ain't no half seven, ain't no, no slipping. Ain't no different from a block of hitting. Gotta get it while the getting's good. Gotta strike while the iron's hot. When you stop, then you gotta get it. This has been a production of Smodcast Internet Radio.